All right, it's Liquid Gold where we do shots, 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 shots. Anybody? Shots. Um, shots. Anyone? Shots. There she is. Shots is back for uh, season three, and we are finally tackling the espresso martini right here on Liquid Gold. We own this town podcast network. We own this town.net. My name's Mike Wolf. On the line, we've got Jessica Backus from Delaney Oyster House and Kenneth Dedman of Husk Fame. Jess, how are you? Doing well. How are you? Hanging in there. Kenneth, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. Doing good. It's been a wild, uh, it's been a wild run in the state of the world. I know. Man, what a roller coaster of a year. I miss you guys. It's been almost a year since I've seen you. Oh my god. Dang. Yeah, come mid-February will be a year. Yeah. Jesus. Yep, not a care in the world. Last time we were all hanging out, it was just a little mist on the horizon. The COVID thing. Now, this week, like, I don't know, tonight, like, I imagine Donald Trump, like, in a, <laughs> like, in a bathroom in his underwear but still like a button up on like in the mirror and like pretending to like make faces of innocence trying to look like Jerry O'Donnell and Stand By Me <laughs> just practicing his sad face so we're here to talk about the espresso martini and it's a drink that we hadn't really ever thought about covering, but been on our been on our radar now since we've been talking coffee here on the show. We've done cold brew and comedy. We've done, you know, more serious coffee. We talked to Nathaniel about what was most interesting, I think, about that conversation was the fact that instant coffee is gonna be back. You know? I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. In a lot of places in Europe where you didn't see a lot of coffee shops, that was the only coffee I could get. It was in fucking shitty rural-ass places, but uh, instant coffee saved my life more than once. It's and big for baking, number one, but also the new fad in the crazy, like, weird coffee with the mocha, like, whip thing on top or whatever. The milk, like, that's how you make that, is you have to have instant coffee for that. The, The new, like big fad of having like the weird whippy thing on top of the coffee that you have to have instant coffee for that oh yeah like the nespresso or whatever but i was gonna say that's how i'm gonna develop my espresso martini it's all powder yeah oh there you go mine's gonna be all booze but that's (laughs) (laughs) because we all need that right now a week like this who doesn't need an espresso martini it's a good cocktail for these times. It's a good cocktail to come back into uh, the greater cocktail culture because it's one of the first of the new cocktail era that started up in the 80s since cocktails sort of died out in the 70s. There's this, for our listeners, we should throw it out. Um, just Google GQ Magazine UK Espresso Martini Oral History. And there's a really fascinating deep dive into the espresso martini. But basically, if you just go off of uh, Wikipedia, it was created by Dick Bradsell in the late 1980s. Now, if you go off the uh, oral history, it was kind of earlier 1980s, but it was at Fred's Club in London for a young lady who has long rumored to be Kate Moss. That rumor has kind of been debunked. Some thought Naomi Campbell... That's not quite uh, all that possible because she was 13 at the time. And then other people have said Grace Jones. Probably more likely was random model comes into a bar. So what are you saying? It was developed as a non-alcoholic drink or an alcoholic drink that you gave to minors? Well, it definitely wasn't developed as a, as a non-alcoholic drink. But I basically, a young lady or a model, whoever, had the great quote... Um, that they came up to Dick Bradsell and said, I want something that'll wake me up and fuck me up. And that's just kind of an amazing quote to create that then went on to create a drink that uh, became a smash sensation 
and is still ordered today. It all started from someone saying, wake me up, fuck me up. (laughs) I think that's incredible. Uh, Much more glamorous and much less modern than the vodka Red Bull, which does not deserve attention that the espresso martini deserves. Yeah, I mean, the espresso martini people say that, uh, you know, it just caused a lot of bad parties and it caused a lot of bad nights and eventually led to like (laughs) cocaine fueled, uh, flights of fancy, but you never hear that it like led to a bunch of fights like the vodka Red Bull. But also the espresso martini in that context is kind of like a chicken and the egg sort of situation. Yeah. Well, don't you think the frontiersmen, the folks that were out on the, you know, like the pioneers drinking coffee and uh, some heavy booze and then going and fighting like Native American tribes at the same time. Yeah, that's like the OG espresso martini. It's, it's been around for like a lot of like causes, good and bad. Yeah, you're trying to throw the, you really like bringing in the Thanksgiving theme, don't you? <laughs> the opposite of the uh, what we learned in school. No, they actually, kids, they actually had espresso martinis and went to war, but uh, we'll tell you that in high school. Bradsell, the bartender widely uh, credited with coming up with this drink, had the, quote, the coffee machine at the Soho Brasseries was right next to the station where I served drinks. It was a nightmare, as there were coffee grounds everywhere, so coffee was very much on my mind. And it was all about vodka back then. It was all people were drinking. And so the original recipe of the espresso martini and probably a pretty close approximation of how people are making it now is basically one and a half ounces of vodka, three quarter ounces of hot espresso that would be then chilled, and then three quarter ounce of a Kahlua or coffee liqueur, which we're going to deep dive on coffee liqueur in a minute. To our minds, you don't want to be using Kahlua if you want to make a good espresso martini. But, uh, and then, you know, about a about a quarter ounce or so of simple syrup to bring up the um, sweetness, and then shaken, fine strained into a chilled martini glass. So, what a jam up back then! That like he was like, "Wow, I really don't want to get jammed up, but I'm just gonna do a double strained espresso martini." Like that must have been such a nightmare. How many bartenders just had nightmares of the espresso martini? How hot were those models that they wanted to make that drink for them, even though they were super busy and getting jammed up? And they were charging like $6.25 for them. I'm sure the price went up by like 50 cents a week. Yeah. Like I had one a couple weeks ago. It was $5. Now you're charging 9 Well, yeah, but that's like 18 pounds. So. What do you think the most efficient way to chill coffee is just... Well, I mean, if you no, but if if you don't have the capacity to cool through, then just to chill it. If you have the ability to put a container of coffee inside of something that is iced down, like you would in a kitchen scenario, yeah, backfilling. Then you can chill stuff really fast. You know, at my house. Whatever coffee I don't drink, I just put in the fridge in a container. And then the next day I have iced coffee. And it's still usually pretty delicious. It's not as fancy as cold brew, but it's delicious cold coffee. Yeah, and sometimes that's all you need first thing in the morning. Any kind of coffee will do. Right. And it's and, and honestly, if you're in the mood, especially living in a place like, I mean, even I live, but also where you guys live now, like, is... Sometimes it's too hot for hot coffee and it's too cold for cold coffee. But if you want to brew your coffee in the morning and then you want to keep a little bit of it in the fridge, it's still really delicious. The only distinction that I've discovered is that I like my hot coffee with regular milk and I like my cold coffee with chocolate milk. So if you have access to cruise dairy chocolate milk, throw some of that in your iced coffee and it's going to make you really happy. Sounds great. So, Kenneth, yeah. Kenneth, somebody strolls into the Husk Bar and they're like, uh, you know, um, wake me up, fuck me up, but also I'm really in the mood for an espresso martini. Um, how are you making it? 
putting you on the spot. This isn't 1980s London. Uh, you got a re- you got a request from a guest, probably from Florida, and uh, they want they want a, they want an espresso martini. So what are you doing? Shit, dude. Uh... <laughs> you need to call me back. <laughs> it's like I gotta go. <laughs> no, no problem, no problem. Um, right now, I've got a cheer wine reduced like uh, cordial. Whoa. Um, Cafe Amaro, which is a pretty freaking dope coffee liqueur from this small distillery in Kansas City called like J.R. Rieger or something like that. Uh, Locals, uh, Sumatra coffee steeped in a uh, neutral grain spirit. Then it's like uh, barrel aged with a bunch of juniper and star anise. It's pretty freaking solid. That, some cream, cheer white cordial, maybe some fumato, like a spoon of fumato, maybe, on the fly. It's fumato amaro, which is a smoked rhubarb amaro. So we have coffee amaro, smoked rhubarb amaro, uh, reduced cheer wine, and a little bit of cream. And then and then what else for your, you, got, you need a base spirit in there. Do you need coffee or... Vodka or anything in there? Nah, like uh, like a half ounce of gin. Oh. <laughs> like uh, like a uh, yeah, because the wow. the amaro has a lot of juniper in it already, so Ooh. a London like drive in like works a really well. Cocaine addicts espresso martini. <laughs> it's a tribute, a tribute to. It's intense. I picture Crocodile Dundee putting someone's face over a steaming bowl of water and, and cocaine. Oh yeah, part one. <laughs> Well, they, uh, some of the folks in this oral history in the GQ um, UK edition, uh, Sophie Parkin, who was a, a bar owner in London at the time, presided over a, a private club called The Colony. And she makes the point that uh, a lot of the bars in London at that time had no ice behind the bar. They did not keep tonic water in the fridge. You'd get a gin and tonic with warm gin and warm tonic water. It was hardcore. She said people were not that educated about food, that were going out and having drinks. They were happy to have frozen hamburgers with frozen peas and tinned potatoes. And most people thought a cocktail was a black currant nasty, which was half a pint of cider, half a pint of lager with a little black currant liqueur on top. That was a cocktail. And this, so this was the dark, this really came out of the dark ages of the cocktail. This is post disco drinks. This is like no man's land where I think that the cocktail wasn't even really a thing. It was really martini, fresh fruit martinis that they were making at the time. Yeah. Okay. There was a guy, Tim, Tim Hayward was a restaurant and food critic at the time in London and he's like, we really can't go 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 into this without talking about Tom Cruise and the movie Cocktail, which was hugely influential, which I love. It was the idea that a twinkly lad in a loud Hawaiian shirt who makes a lot of cocktails will get laid a lot. There was very little more plot to it than that, but I think it really caught the imagination. <laughs> Man, the movie Cocktail really it really was big even in London. All right, so Jess, what's your espresso martini over there at the Delaney? Somebody strolls in, they eat 12 oysters, a little bit of caviar. They have some, I don't know, some shrimp and grits. Yeah, so uh, it's uh, the espresso martini in our restaurant has become somewhat of a cult classic. It's sort of the uh, big Lebowski of our cocktail program and kind of animal style where it's not on the menu but people ask for it all the time people absolutely love and we feature light spirits and light refreshing cocktails on our menu so we don't necessarily put it on the menu but a lot of people order it for dessert so we do an ounce and a half of vodka and we use cat head in our well so we love the people from cat head in mississippi Mm-hmm. And um, we do about an ounce and a half of coffee that we brew and then chill down. And then half an ounce of simple syrup and half an ounce of Borghetti, which is a, an espresso liqueur 
that is now it's been made for like over 150 years. Wow. But it's it's now owned by the people, the Branca Fratelli family. So the the people who make Fernet Branca, you know, they've sort of gathered up all of the delicious spirits of Italy and they own most of them now. So they make Carpano and they make, you know, Puntimes and they make the Fernet Branca and the Branca Menta and they make all the like super funky uh the Candelini Grappa with the crazy herbs in it, you know? Mm-hmm. But they've acquired Borghetti, which is this espresso liqueur that actually has espresso brewed into it. And then it's added to like a chicory coffee that's brewed and then added to neutral grain spirit. So there's a bunch of caffeine in it. So it froths up when you make it. And so we shake all that together and it makes the beautiful like espresso martini thing that people expect which is awesome so it's frothy and it's creamy and it's boozy and it's bittersweet and it looks like what everybody wants from an espresso martini so it works out really well that sounds amazing yeah that sounds proper it's pretty fun and if 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 i have the capacity and we have the resources we'll use actually like a rich demerara which I love to use for old fashions, but I'll put that into the espresso martini instead of simple syrup. You know, it kind of just adds to the richness of it. That sounds incredible. And I think worth worth mentioning that it's a great cocktail for this time of year. It's a cocktail to think about because it's, it's really an after-dinner drink, and we're getting into that season where you eat a little more, you might eat a little earlier, and then you, you have plans maybe to do something else. Nobody's really going out and partying right now, um, but it's a good drink to make at home if you're trying to eat a big Thanksgiving meal and then not just trying to pass right out. This would be a good one for totally. you. That's kind of yeah. where where it came out of. Sugar, caffeine, and alcohol. So <laughs> it's like a bunch of legal <laughs> drugs all wrapped into one. It's like having your coffee after dinner before you want to go out and have fun with the people you really want to hang out with. I'm glad you brought up <laughs> a prelude to Friendsgiving. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, so I'm glad you brought up uh, Borghetti because, and Kenneth, I want to hear about some of your favorite coffee liqueurs if you have some, but uh, the one I wanted to bring up was um, Mocha, Cafe Mocha from Varnelli. Also known as Mocha Varnelli, it's a liqueur made with real Italian espresso. Very similar to, to Borghetti, but uh, in yeah. in what as for what it is, but it does taste a little bit different. It's got a little bit more baking spice, a little more honey flavor, and some tobacco kind of notes to it. And I've always been a big fan of that one. So if you can find the Cafe Mocha or Borghetti, you're in really good hands with those. I I don't think you you need, you don't really need to go with Kahlua anymore because I don't know I mean if you wanted to make like a throwback eighties taste you know flavor profile you could go with Kahlua I guess but there's a lot of good ones now both the Italian ones and then the American ones so our friends over at Red Eye Rye they make a really fine you know rye whiskey coffee amaro that's really good. Also, um, St. George, which is a Bay Area distillery. Yeah. They have the the New Orleans-influenced um, coffee liqueur. It's got, like, uh, local, like, sugar cane in it and uh, Ethiopian beans. Oh, that one's great. I guess, like... Uh, Super tasty. They kind of try to sell it as, like, a uh, the master distiller's, like, love for his wife, which is kind of cheesy but um it's a good tasting product it is it's so strongly flavored that i feel like that one's really good for an espresso martini too because you don't need much of it to really make a difference flavor wise well and they do a great job of of really like infusing what they want things to taste like with really natural ingredients Mm -hmm. so their nola liqueur is like is the chicory and coffee and the richness and the texture just like with their gins they'll take them 
you know, up into the woods and they'll bring like the terroir. They like go and throw the stuff from, from your, you know, woods into their gin. They do the same thing with the liqueur, which is great because it adds texture to it and it adds flavor in it. And you know that it's like the real ingredients going into that. So the fact that they name it for the place that they're concerned about representing is huge. Pretty amazing stuff that they're doing. Big fan. And then have you guys tried the uh, cold brew liqueur? No. Negative. <laughs> Mr. Black is a cold brew coffee liqueur. It's made in Australia. And that's really why I wanted to bring it up because the the espresso martini really took off in Australia. There's a really good article on The Guardian. Um, they did an article about how popular... The espresso martini got in Melbourne. In Melbourne, mm-hmm. they've got the wake me up, fuck me up in there. Um, so Chad Parkhill, who uh, wrote this article, this was four years ago. Ah, uh, simpler times. But uh, he writes, it seems that the only people who don't always feel the love for this drink are the bartenders themselves. At a party filled with hospitality workers, I mentioned that I'm working on an article about espresso martinis. And then this bartender says, quote, don't talk to me about fucking espresso martinis. <laughs> End quote. And she has, it turns out, recently worked a shift where a hen's party came in bearing little signs on sticks printed with the words espresso martini so that they wouldn't have to even bother talking to the bartender. Another bartender says, Every arsehole who's never ordered anything other than Melbourne bitter and the occasional rum and ginger orders 50 of these espresso martinis at a time under the delusion that it will make them appear to have some kind of class and half an idea about cocktails. I've only met one or two bartenders that don't sigh or roll their eyes or contemplate suicide every time the words six espresso martinis... (laughs) that's hilarious oh shit I lost the fucking I've only met one or two okay they contemplate suicide every time the words six espresso martinis thanks mate flop out of some drunkard's mouth (sighs) wow so I think that's that's one of the reasons why I think it's it's crucial that we cover it because it's a bizarre not using real espresso kind of makes a difference. Like if you actually have to brew a shot of espresso every time you make it, that's one thing. But other than that, that's trouble. Well, but it's, but it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of the bartender. If you have to, or if you have to make 50 of those compared to 50 Ramos gin fizzes, what are you really more upset about? Oh, sure. I mean, it's, it's if you have coffee liqueur and that's what you're leaning on, maybe a you know a really good cold brew liqueur or even a little bit of cold brew behind the bar. If you really want to wake people up, yeah, you could make this drink in no time. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not like it's it's super. I I feel like I've heard the same complaint and the same argument about mojitos and cosmos and ramos you know like gin fizzes and or pisco sours or something like that and it's like yeah if you get 12 people ordering a pisco sour you're gonna be really upset about it but it's a really good cocktail you know realistically you could come up with a an espresso martini recipe that you could make with like three bottles and then you can make people happy in no time at all and it's literally a night and day difference from having to make 12 Pisco Sours and and your night's fucked. <laughs> so Bradsel, this is funny. Bradsel tried, the guy who came up with this drink, Dick Bradsel, he tried after the drink got really popular as the espresso martini. He wanted to rein it back in and rename it because he didn't feel like, you know, he wanted it to just get uh loped in with uh all the different martinis that were becoming popular at the time it was like french martini apple martini flirtini which the flirtini shots episode that's gonna be a fun one kenneth are you ready for that one down the road 
I don't know, but we're going to dive into it. <laughs> I don't know, but we'll, yeah, we'll send, we'll put Darren on it for a month, get him some school credit. But so, so Bradsell tried to rename the drink the pharmaceutical stimulant, but it never stuck, obviously. <laughs> Uh no, it's called the pharmaceutical stimulant now. They're like, nah, I'll just have an espresso martini. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love it. Anything else on espresso martini? No. How long have we been talking about it? About thir- about thirty minutes. <laughs> Probably far too long. But Kenneth, before we get to some booze news action, and we've got on the docket some Thanksgiving talk coming up in just a few days here where before Thanksgiving, we're going to have some great wine pairings for you. People are probably doing smaller Thanksgivings this year. We've got some cooking um, techniques. and uh, But I did want to talk because really the smart thing to do is to get your prep going days ahead, get like a good stock made for your gravy, things like that. I think that's a fun time to kind of investigate some good pre-Thanksgiving aperitif style you know, afternoon cooking style drinks that you can make for yourself really easy. I've got my stock, my my fridge stocked with some great cokey vermouths. So I've got Americano on hand that uh, I'll be mixing the cokey Americano with like, you know, some, you know what I really love is the grapefruit sparkling water and cokey with like a tiny bit of uh, Campari and salt. That's been a big one for me. Uh, but Jess, what what are you uh, what are you going to be cooking this year for Thanksgiving? What are you going to be pre prepping, and what are you going to be drinking? Yeah, it's obviously apple cider season, and hot toddies. I think are one of the most delicious things that you can enjoy, hot or cold, and it's super easy to make it ahead of time. So that's one of the things I have already in my fridge that I cooked ahead of time, which is great because. Toddy is one of those very broad cocktail categories. So you can have a hot toddy, hot or cold, and you can make it in numerous different ways, tea or cider or things like that. But because there's so much apple cider in circulation right now, uh, it's really fun to just buy apple cider from a local place or from a, a you know your wherever you shop and they have orchards that are delivering the apple cider that's tasty and just dry toast some wintry spices and cook some apple cider up like just heat it up a little bit and add a little bit of sugar and a little bit of apple brandy you can actually add whatever you like I don't know what you guys like in your hot toddies. Um, I, I think rye is really good. I think rum is really good. But like the Laird's 100 proof apple brandy is one of those magical Thanksgiving, Christmas, wintry spirits. Oh, yeah. I reach for brandy. Yeah. In a toddy. And it's, it's just really accessible and really versatile. And so, so I like to do that. So, you know. If you want it to be a little sweeter, you can add a little brown sugar, raw sugar, or honey, or sorghum, or maple syrup, you know, and then just a little bit of lemon juice, and you kind of just, like, warm all those things together, and you don't have to, you know, obviously, if you simmer it, your alcohol is going to cook off, but if you just warm everything up, it's just like, a, a, especially if the weather starts to get cold, it's something that just like keeps you warm, makes you feel better. Throw a little bit of Angostura bitters in there. Mm-hmm. You know? I wrote about for uh, for the Garden and Health cocktail column the this drink that uh, Sam Jett turned me on to, non-alcoholic nice. drink that, of course, yeah. I made alcoholic. This was a drink that I did for a charity event that we did last year where we needed something hot that you could make over a fire that was very like experiential, you know, and I was basically serving it over a fire and pouring it. But what I did is, is it was basically apple cider. It was like an apple cider, hot toddy, but it was a bunch of apple juice that was cooked down. I cooked it down with spices, cinnamon, clove, allspice, 
and then added some rosemary in there. Cooked that down for a while. And then basically I just poured that into a mug, like ladled it into a mug and added Laird's, like we talked about, the Laird's 100 proof apple brandy. And then Madeira, because what I was getting from the Laird's and the Madeira was caramel apple. Yeah. And so I loved that. And I think that even works if you don't have cider as your base and you just have hot water or tea. The Laird's and Madeira combo is incredible. It's kind of like whiskey and sweet vermouth, like a Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. Which Madeira did you use? So I just had a basic, uh, I think it was just the Broadbent Rainwater Madeira. Nice. Okay. A little bit of acid to it, but nothing nothing fancy. It's really nice because you can make, I've done, I've made like a spiced tea, so even without the apple cider... To make a spice tea, just to like steep, like to dry toast the spices and then steep just like water in there. And you can add a little sugar if you want. But um, whether you want to use apple cider or apple juice or just water, to be able to make something that's so aromatic is really nice. But I think the key is, and this is the big thing, is if you want to do this at home, you have to dry toast your spices. But you have to be very careful about it. So I'm, I make, I'll put full, whole cinnamon sticks, whole cloves, whole allspice, and even whole star anise. You put it into a pan or a pot and put it on like medium heat and then just swirl it very often. So you're basically just like toasting the spices to bring the aromatics up. Mm-hmm. And then whatever you add to it will absorb those flavors. But if you let them sit too long, they burn. And if sure. you don't toast them ahead of time and you just steep them with the water or the apple cider, they don't really activate as well. Yeah, so it's almost like, like the big thing. Yeah. It's like espresso martini. It's like, wake me up. Fuck me up. Where? <laughs> yeah, really I just, I do. I really do. I it's It's one of my favorite cocktail stories, I think, in all of cocktail history. Um, is the fact that someone said that and then a, cl- a cocktail classic was born. But no, it does it does pertain to this because... Uh, wait, how does it pertain to this? The oh, yes. By toasting them yes. Because they don't really wake up alive until you put a little bit of heat on them. Yeah, you got to wake up the spices really, in order to fuck up your palate. Exactly. In a good way. Really, you really activate all of the really beautiful aromatics of, of a hot toddy and of a cider, a spice cider. So you can make it non-alcoholic by just adding all those things, but really like toasting those spices and honestly like putting a little bit of lemon peel or a little bit of citrus in there. And, and something that I've learned that's really fun and awesome is the, the pectin and lemon seeds has like a gelatinous quality to it. Mm. So what I've been doing, what I did with my last batch of, of hot toddy is that I put, I juiced a little bit of lemon, like Meyer lemons from our tree, but took the seeds and heated them into the cider. Well, hold on, hold on. People are not going to like you for just saying, I took some Meyer lemons off my tree. No, no, no. That's not the point. <laughs> the point is you take lemon seeds. So if you, if Got to you mention that, it. Let's, so you're going to go, okay. It's so incredible. Gonna, but No, but you're going to make anything with a lemon. You're going to buy a lemon from the store. Right? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I just so, had to stop you there. No, it's good. You're going to buy a lemon from the store. And you're going to either take some of the zest off with the zest or you're going to peel some of it, right? So you have the aromatics and you're going to juice it. This is like nose to tail lemon cookery. Damn. I love this. You need to do because if you have a lemon, you should be using every part of it. Yes. Yes. So ahead of time, you either zest it with a microplane or you peel it with a vegetable peeler, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And you juice it, and you use the juice in the hot toddy, but also you take the lemon seeds, the seeds from the lemon. You're warming up your cider and your spices and your whatever 
and that will add texture and a little bit of like a it's not gelatinous but the the fact that there's pectin it's kind of like the jammy thing so it adds a little bit more of an unctuous like rounded mouthfeel just by having the seeds in there so just the seeds i love that yeah so if you're toasting cinnamon and whole cloves and allspice and star anise and then you're adding your liquid be it water or apple cider to it and you add a little bit of citrus to it like lemon juice or whatever to it but if you just add those lemon seeds then it adds a little bit of acid and it adds a little bit of a rounded texture to the whole thing that's phenomenal like adding like the pectin like you would put in jam because there's pectin in the lemon seeds that you would add to the jam. So you add that to your cocktail, and then it creates a more rounded mouthfeel without having to add anything else to it. Oh, that's great. So use your seeds in cooking down your hot toddy base yes. that you'll then strain out later. Um, that you then strain out later. So that's great. I'll put like a pot. Like if you, I It's mean, like a mold hot toddy. The coolest person on the planet you would have a wood-burning stove and you put a pot on the top of that wood-burning stove. <laughs> yeah, wood-burning stove. Grab the lemon off your Meyer lemon tree. It's like, it's like Francis Mallman. It's like that Francis Mallman video that I thought was just incredible the other day where he's like, I cool my polenta by the pool. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right. All right, dude. <laughs> Make sure you cool your polenta. Just place it in your swimming pool. <laughs> oh, right. I haven't been doing that. No, but it does make sense for you to have. And if you don't have whole cinnamon and whole cloves and things like that, you can still make a delicious hot. You just have to add the, the powdered spices after your yeah. cider or your water. But the aromatics you get from whole cinnamon and whole whole spice and whole cloves is just insane. I mean, it's it's just like the aromatics you get from the zest and the oil of like a lemon or an orange when you're making a cocktail. Yeah, and I will. Uh, I'll turn people on to those of you at home who are listening, who are going to get into spices and or just love using spices in your cooking. The spices that I've been using the last few years and what we used in the Garden to Glass Vermouth that I've been working on with uh, Nashville Urban Winery, it was Spices, Inc. So Spices, Inc., check them out. They're based out of Pennsylvania. And it's like this company who seems to be right around the perfect size where they get they have a really solid inventory system they service all these clients, they get the spices in, they process them, and they go out the door. And so it's the freshest, best spices um, that I've that I have come into contact with uh, awesome. in the last couple of years. So check them out, Spices Inc. All right, and now the time has come for Pizza Chow Chow, Pizza Chow Chow, Booze News with Kenneth Dedman. Pre-Thanksgiving cocktail edition. Are you part of the Trump legal team yet? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> there's espresso martini leaking from Rudy Giuliani's head. I don't know if you've seen the new, the 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 brand new news stories that are that are coming out. He was at a press conference and. Uh, had like uh, espresso liqueur dripping from his forehead. I guess it was his hair dye that was leaking out. Phenomenal, phenomenal, um, idiotic performance by him. Typical, but uh, also worth noting, we can tie this all into espresso martini, my friend, because he asked reporters and people on the scene after the hearing, I, where's the nearest martini bar? Hey, do you know the nearest martini bar? I need to go there. So this is a guy stuck in, uh, at best, early 80s, wake me up, fuck me up, cocktail culture. Worth mentioning, Mr. Giuliani and the martini bars. And now let's turn things over to Kenneth Dedman. <laughs> I don't know where to pick, pick up off after that. Yeah, I'm sorry. I had to. Wasn't that hair dye? Like, I thought I thought it was like... Yeah, it's like, 
Oh, that's what sweating bullets looks like. How the fuck did that happen? What a fucking turd, dude. Yeah. What is he doing? Why is he? Why is he fucking? It's over. Just give it up. You know. Yeah. What do you got that's booze worthy and noteworthy out there in the world? Well, on uh, on Wednesday, um, four-time NBA champion LeBron James announced the launch the launch of his new uh, tequila and mezcal brand. Wow. It's uh, Lobo seventeen oh seven is the name. Lobos being the the Spanish word for wolves, mm. which I can get behind if he's naming it after dogs. OG dogs. Distillery looks legit um, in Yalisco. They're releasing uh, an extra Añejo, Añejo Reposado. All are finished in uh, all are finished in uh, PX barrels. Oh wow! Fucking dope, dude. He had to get in tequila because Michael Jordan was getting into tequila. He's like, wait, wait. Oh, I need to do that too? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that too. Always a competitor. Yep. Great. <laughs> the battle uh, for the goat. Tweeted, yep. He tweeted earlier today that um, he was waiting until Biden was sworn in to visit the White House to celebrate the uh, the Lakers, the Lakers championship. That makes sense. NBA championship. Well, so I don't know if any NBA champion ever visited the White House during Trump's tenure. I don't believe anybody did. Uh, not many. Not many did. I think maybe like Drew Brees or Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> they substituted for teams that like won, who didn't visit. He was like, "Will Drew Brees just come out here and throw the football around with me and make me look good?" Jesus. He could have had, like, yeah, like some golf, like some weird sports motherfuckers, a bunch of hunters, if you'd like. Get some NASCAR guys out there hanging out with them. Right? In just friendly, in just friendly conversation, mm. Boujolet Nouveau has, uh, is it the third, is it the third Thursday, right, Jess? The third Thursday? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Boujolet Nouveau is being released uh, amidst pandemic, which is usually a, a very festive festive time of year. But all celebrations of that nature, of course, are ideally, ideally not exactly going down the way that they normally do. Right. All very remote and such, right? Now, apparently, apparently this year was one of the best, like, climate-wise in France, albeit being, like, constantly constantly dealing with the burden of uh of the covid pandemic everyone is incredibly apparently incredibly excited about the 2020 releases oh cool the upcoming 2020 releases that's good and that makes a really nice thanksgiving wine kind of crowd pleaser for everybody yeah that's what you guys that so the the Beaujolais Nouveau that, that's what it's for, is to basically give a preview of what the Beaujolais vintage is going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's but why that's, it's, called, it's called like Premier, right? When grapes get harvested, they're often processed or aged throughout the course of, you know, many months to many years, depending on the wine. Mm-hmm. So the the whole purpose of Beaujolais Nouveau is to basically process it very rapidly. And that's where you get a lot of the carbonic maceration. You get that very bright, very fast, very intense sort of like fruit and zip kind of things. Um, But but they do it basically like the harvest starts in, you know, uh, August, September, October. And then the wine is processed and fermented. And then for Beaujolais Nouveau is released in November, whereas most of Beaujolais is going to age for like much longer than that. But the whole point is to see how kind of like the fruit came out that year and to uh, give you a preview of what's to come for the like true Beaujolais that's going to be, you know, the, the sort of processed and revered sort of wine that comes out of that. I love the tradition. I love the the fact that it's within the same calendar year, you know, that it's like a, it's like this harvest wine that, you know, you harvest it, 
you process it, and it's a couple months later you have uh, you have a wine that you're kind of celebrating with, even though there's not as much to celebrate this year. <laughs> Let's be honest. I'm pretty sure that they have like uh, like a high quality standard for the grapes that they use for it. I think like they usually take like the better grapes, and it's just like a percentage of which is like a small percentage of what's like what goes on to become like age Beaujolais, but it's meant to be the introduction of that year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Consumed fresh as like an example of what's to come for sure. So apparently a lot of folks uh, this year are saying that they want to, um, the current Beaujolais Nouveaux are a good vintage to actually put back for a few years. Excellent. Yeah. Quite unheard of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's wild. Very cool. Well, so there's a little good news out of 2020. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh. You got to find that good news where you can find it. You know? Yeah. A little silver lining there. For sure. Awesome. That probably means that whatever, like, crew Beaujolais come out of 2020 are probably going to be really, really delicious. Well, we'll have to keep an eye on that. Yeah. You heard it here first. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> you right. breaking news left and right. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. They're, they're probably going to crush the 2020 vintage. Well, France is probably going to kill it in the coming coming years, considering how California, half of California burned this year. Oh, yeah. Shit. Yep. And speaking of burning, burning Christmas trees. So you ever do that? Yeah, I've done it recently. We still have our Christmas tree from last year in my backyard, and we use it for kindling. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's dangerous kindling. I'll I'll say that. Yeah, dude, you can set those on fire uh, in the rain. Yeah. Especially if it's a year old. Oh, yeah. You might as well use it again if it's still out there. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Dad, are we getting a Christmas tree this year? Yeah, we are. It's in the backyard. Help me pull it in. Yeah. You just like spray it with shellac and reinforce it. <laughs> oh, man. Let it air out. Last story. Um, in case y'all wanted to make fun of the British in the UK. Full circle. Wake uh, me up. Fuck me up. Uh, do we have like a meter? How many times you said that? <laughs> yeah, it's it. too many. You're, you're actually a drinking game now, Mike. <laughs> People listening to Liquid Gold drink every time you say wake me up, fuck me. I'm going to start saying it every episode. <laughs> it's the greatest uh, saying that ever birthed a cocktail. In the UK, Berkshire Bot- Botanicals uh, is re- releasing their Yatatan Estate Jet. Uh, which is Christmas tree flavored. Yes. Um, Love it. Yattendon Estate in Berkshire is the largest Christmas tree producer in the UK. Um, They use uh, Norway spruce to um, steeping Norway spruce uh, along with juniper, sweet orange peel, and cassis. Wow. Um, The Yattendon Estate uh, has been growing Christmas trees since the mid 60s, um, famous for producing the best Norway spruce and Nordman fir trees available on the market. Mm. Um, and they are being used, in fact, um, in two gins uh, currently from Berkshire uh, rhubarb and raspberry, and a, this is fucking cool uh, a dandelion burdock. Ooh, classic. What? Love it. I already looked this up, and you can order them. You can order them online, and they're really not that fucking expensive. Yeah, maybe we all go in on some. I think that's yep. like the magic number when you're shipping that shit. It's like, I mean, a case is ideal, but I don't know if you want a case of gin, of any gin, really. <laughs> if, if you have 11 friends who want gin, then you do. Yeah, that sucks. That, that gets into, like, some fucking weird... Bum fuck because like like some someone will be like yeah yeah and they're like really vocal and they call you like over and over about it 
but then they don't have Venmo, and like, uh, you know, they'll say that, like, uh, I don't have any cash, but I'll write you a check, but I don't have any checks on me. Like, yeah, and I'd put it in the mail, but the whole postal service election thing, I don't feel so great about that. So, what the fuck do you have cash? They're like, uh, well, like, I don't have a bank account. Kenneth, your friends are shady. (laughs) You're looking at them. (laughs) Why does this this bump one gin so bad? (laughs) It's probably the kind of bottle that, like, once we can all be going back to each other's houses and uh, staying up late and getting into trouble at each other's houses, it's like the kind of bottle that's sitting up there on the cabinet. It's like, you still have that bottle of gin I got you last year? Oh yeah, yeah, it's good. I mean, it's good. Uh it's good. Yeah. Let's have some. Do you I'll want some? I, I'll <laughs> believe that when I get to taste that 1940s uh Amir Pecan that Mike bought for all of us. Mm. I'm going to have to just mail you some, I think. <laughs> I know you're jonesing for it. Is that open? It's open. Oh yeah. I'll mail you some for our Amir Pecan uh, Brooklyn episode that we need to do this winter. So good. Sounds good. Kenneth, thank you so much. That was great. Thanks, Bubba. You probably got some bangers you're sitting on for Thanksgiving episode, I imagine. Certainly. Always. (laughs) (laughs) Taking it right back to London. Exactly. Did you just have too many bangers and mash? (laughs) Get woke. Get fucked. Have an espresso martini. There's no such thing as too much mash. Well, this has been amazing. Thank y'all for uh, for staying up with us. Jess Backus of Delaney Oyster House, our cocktail contributor, our pairing professional. And uh, we look forward to getting you back here in just a few days on the Thanksgiving episode. Thank you so much. I love you guys. Love you too. Kenneth Dedman. He is the man. He is the man with the booze and the man with the news. Thank you. Thank you. I miss you, brother. Miss you too, dude. My name's Mike Wolf, and we will see you next time for the Thanksgiving special coming up to We Own This Town, weownthistown.net. Shout out to Michael Eads, our producer, Jess Matchin for the logo and lovely artwork. As always, Upright T-Rex music for the tunes. Email us, liquidgoldpod at gmail.com, and find us on Instagram at liquidgold underscore pod. And uh, we'll we'll talk to you guys in a few days here. We'll see you next time.